Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five of the Audible Farm podcast. I'm your host, Peter Stockdale. This week, I sit down with Kyle Hammer. He's a multi-instrumentalist as well as a professional wrestler. We talk about multiple things, including his bands, uh, his wrestling stuff, um, how he got his start in all of those. Before we get to the podcast, I do have to mention that last week in the intro, I did make a mistake and I mentioned um let's see here what did i call them against the archers as one of the bands and uh that should have been unleash the archers was one of the bands i played with with unity uh, about a week or so ago and uh thanks to sean for pointing that one out i apologize to unleash the archers i actually wouldn't have even mentioned this had they not actually acknowledged me on uh twitter about the whole ordeal so hey rock and roll uh my bad and we got it fixed so uh, this week I sit down with Kyle Hammer. We talk about um, his talents, and we also talk a little bit about Thrash Mania. That was the show we played on together this weekend. And uh, all right, no more talking. Here we go. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host Peter Stockdale. All right, I'm sitting down with Kyle Hammer. Uh, we just got done playing a show tonight. We played, uh, was it Thrash Mania Nine? We played number nine. Number nine. We played at the Dark Mirror House. He actually played two sets tonight. Uh, you did an impromptu set with Thor Hammer, uh, unadvertised. Yeah, a little secret three fifths compromise. We didn't have the whole crew. We just did. Uh, one guitar instead of two, and we just added organ, and we didn't have uh, her with us tonight, so we didn't want to advertise it as a full-on Thor Hammer thing. So yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it was still it was still awesome. It was a great show. Hell yeah, I had a blast. Yeah, it was a good time. You also did a show tonight with Lightning Wolf, and like, let's preface the situation a little bit. You played with Thor Hammer, and you played on the guitar, mm-hmm. and then you played with Lightning Wolf, and you played on the drums. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what did you start playing first between those two instruments? I started on drums first. I was about six years old. My dad plays in uh, played in cover bands, and uh, their drummer didn't show up one night. This was like the mid '90s, so we're they're fooling around, and uh, I just sat behind the kit, and they were playing the Wallflowers one headlight, and I just went. You was able to just play, you know, yeah, play my way through the song. We were like, oh shit, kids playing the drums. So like that just it, you know a couple of weeks later we had a drum set and I haven't <laughs> been it, it, it's kind of stuck with me since. That's pretty awesome. So you started out playing the drums. Mm-hmm. Did you play it all in school? Yeah, I did. Uh, I kind of got duped. They made <laughs> it sound like oh, if you play percussion, you could play the drums. And I was like, sweet, I play drums. I was thinking drum set. Yep. They're talking like a bass drum. Yeah. Uh, a <laughs> a snare drum. No other cymbals, and you're like resting half the time and then you're like oh, man oh man I, was, I thought i was playing the drums yeah it's the it's it's the bass drum beat where you get boom boom rest boom boom rest boom and it's like that's i totally get what you're saying did you stick it out uh i did sixth through eighth grade uh which was cool i learned how to read music and stuff and it was uh very you know i learned some things that eventually i was able to use in what i wanted to do 
But by the time marching band came around and stuff like that, I just had other priorities. Yeah, to- and I'm like, uh, I'm not, I'm not feeling this anymore. I didn't, I didn't go to band camp, so I got docked down from playing the quints. Yep. To uh, auxiliary pit percussion. Like, oh, so you had to stand in the front. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, and it was doing the same things that I didn't want to do. Like, I'm never going to get to play some real rock and drums. Like, I want to play rock and roll. I'm, I'm done with this. So what was your first taste of like rock and roll drums then? Um, the first thing my buddy had me learn, we were like 7th through ninth grade. Yeah. He had me learn Back in Black by ACDC, uh, Ain't Talk About Love by Van Halen. Heck yeah. And How It Be That Name by Iron Maiden. Oh, sweet. And at the time, when I first heard Iron Maiden, I was not about it. I was like, the singer, he sings all high, he sings like a nerd, I don't like this. Uh, yeah, I wasn't cultured, I didn't know any better. I feel you. It's, uh, it's actually a very common complaint from people about Maiden, where they're like, the singer is just too much, Meow! like the wide vibrato. and Yeah, and it, it, I just wasn't feeling it, but I'm like, okay, I'll learn this song. And I learned the song, and then that was that was it. It was, it was cool, like I had... Clive does it with the single hand on the hi-hat, but I was doing it with the double, and I'm like, oh, that, everything I'm doing in this song is expanding my abilities, and I'm like, I should check out more of this band. Sweet. And That's crazy. they that pretty much went on to become my favorite band right away. It's crazy that you chose, like, okay, so you thought that the drumming in Hallowed Be Thy Name was good, so you chose to, like, dive deeper into Maiden, and it was Clive Burr as the drummer, and it's not Nico, the one that everybody thinks is, like, I yeah. guess considers him like this. I don't want to say superior drummer, but they always like. He is. I think he is. You know, so yeah. it's it's pretty crazy that you chose uh, uh, Clive Burr instead of yeah. Instead well, of Nico. it it worked out for you know fifteen year old Kyle because Nico is way out there. He his fills are so elaborate. Yeah, and Clive is. Uh, I don't know if Groove is the white. He's a more of a backbeat drummer. Yeah, like he doesn't do all all the accents and all the you know the crazy flams and this and that and the other mm-hmm. thing that Nico does so it's like a pretty good solid like good student type material yep. to introduce into the world of metal and I eventually you know became a, a, more into Nico it, obviously yeah. yeah it's just the way it goes so uh you guys you guys in Lightning Wolf uh your three piece band Mm-hmm. And who who do you got in the band? Is myself, of course, uh, Tim Cutterer, who plays bass in Thorhammer also. Nice. Um, and then Dan Manns plays guitar and sings. That's awesome. Yeah, he he did a really good job tonight doing like leads and singing and and just smashing it all into one person. Yeah, he kills it. Uh, he didn't really know he could sing like that until we started jamming. Uh. With this band, we had another band that we were in before. Right? He was just the rhythm, rhythm, and sometimes we could do, you know, sometimes do solos, yeah, and sometimes do backup vocals. But we didn't know he could really sing until we did a Metallica cover. Like, whoa, dude, he's spot on. Yeah, uh, you guys played a version of Battery tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, and that was that was really killer. The other one was uh, I noticed was Turbo Lover. He yeah, na- he nailed it, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah, he takes it an octave higher on that. One. Yeah, it was really Mad really man. good. It was super good. You guys got an album that you uh, recently recorded and had released? Yeah, it just came out yesterday. What do you, what's the album called? The album is called Free, which is the name of one of the tracks on the record. Which it, we felt best uh, embodied what Lightning Wolf's all about. It's uh, the first album for you guys? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, it's our second attempt at it, but we got it out finally. So uh, what was with the first attempt like? Well, we had, last time we were here, we had uh, another guitar player. All right. And we had started recording. We had about, we, we actually had everything pretty much done. And he held it up with his solos for like nine months. That I mean, that and, that happens with recording though too, like. I think a lot of the things people forget is like everybody just kind of gets busy and stuff like that with life, and it's tough to like direct all the traffic to get yeah, that taken care we, of sometimes. And we were doing it on our own, on our own, and then well, we had the drums tracked by somebody else, and we were doing the guitars on our own because he had an Axe Effects. Oh, that makes sense. And we were gonna re, we were gonna reamp the guitars so that we could use you know Dan's triple rack and stuff like yep. you know get the get some air moving. Yep. But then the tracks that we recorded. On top of being delayed for nine months, we could not reamp them. Oh man! And we were like, we were pre- we were pretty butthurt about the thing being held up over the solos. We were pretty butthurt about the the thing not being usable. Yeah. So we were like, all right, man, we're done with. The, you know, we would like to move on with that as a three piece. And he was like, that's cool. I was just kind of seeing what happened with the recording anyway. And we're like, well. All right. Yeah. Back I mean, to square zero. Yeah. Sometimes you just hit a roadblock like that, and you need you just need to like kind of figure out what we need to do to get over the roadblock and just kind of continue on. And it's I mean totally it's nothing against anybody because like recording difficulties definitely happen. I feel like that's probably one of the toughest things as a band because you can get songs together and you can go play live, but sometimes uh, getting all the songs together and getting them in a studio and get everything tracked out one track at a time and getting every like getting the drums in and then you got to get the bass in and then you got to get both guitars in and then singing and then backing vocals and then lead it's a lot of work i mean it's multiple trips to a studio usually yeah it can it can kill a band pretty quickly as like so let's say the singer doesn't come in and do his vocals for a year people get butter and get resentment and they're like well i'm i'm done with this and, you know yeah a lot of i feel like a lot of i've recorded like three albums that have not been used because they they died and you know the project or the band died in the studio it it happens a lot um i mean it's unfortunate that it does but i mean it always seems like uh anytime i've ever wanted to get in the studio it's always like i wanted to hurry up and get in there and i I don't ever realize that i gotta like wait for other people to do their parts and sometimes i forget that because i'm just like oh man can we go in there this weekend can we go in next weekend and like i said everybody's got a job if you're not recording the album yourself you got to wait for whoever's recording it because like i mean like i said everybody's got a job so like sometimes they work nights sometimes they work days and you just got to figure it all out and it's not always as easy as it as it could be but it's it's just the way that things go were you really happy with the way this uh album came out with a three-piece definitely we are so glad that the one that we made before ended up getting scrapped because we we decided to finally just go to a professional get a re- go to a real studio uh, not just have somebody come and like the, to do that track that tracked our drums was good. We ended up using a good room and everything on the first one. Yeah. But the second time it was just a totally different ordeal. We had no time crunch. We had the, the weekend booked for drums and the next weekend for everything else. The dude just knew what he was doing. He was able to correct a couple notes that we weren't we weren't using the right note. He's like, uh, hold on, I'm gonna change that. And we're like. All right, man. I feel I feel like sometimes having a guy there, um, a person there to do that kind of stuff is is pretty awesome because sometimes they 
even if they don't know exactly what you're trying to do, they can give you some like valuable input as like an outsider sometimes. Yeah, and he really knows what he's doing, and it, and it, he like, I wish we had credited it correctly, but I'd definitely say like he helped produce it, and I'd never really considered what that word meant until I had somebody in there guiding us, and like, we had an intonation issue with one of one of our guitars, and he showed us how how to tune it to play these particular chords to oh, where nice. it was accounted like to where when he, when he played the chord it would be the correct uh pitch and everything yep. but if you were to play an open thing it would be out of tune yeah and i was like whoa that that's pretty clever dude and he just got us through the session and like saved us time totally knew what he was doing total badass at it and he had like a cool modular drum room that he could add walls to it take walls away and shit like oh that's nuts all the, yeah it was real real clever setup and he he just nailed it he we told him he asked what we were trying to do we told him about it and he just got it that's that's sweet uh there's definitely something that has to be said about going and letting a professional take care of it i mean that goes for like most facets of life though like having a professional having somebody that you're paying good money to like get things taken care of and having it all scheduled out like, I mean, that goes down the line for everything, like car maintenance and, and I mean, yeah. everything. It's, so. Yeah, and I'll, I, sh- I should throw his name out there since we've been talking about it. His name is Ryan Wasaba at Bird Cloud Recording in Edwardsville, Illinois, above Mojo's Music. That's a, that's a great plug. That's a, <laughs> that's, he definitely deserves it. I'm, I'm Yeah, a- man, kill it. I just nailed it. I, I'm definitely going to bring Thorhammer to him. I, uh, I haven't heard your guys' studio tracks yet, but you got... Uh, we just got done playing a show. You got CDs inside for sale. And do uh, you got anything online media-wise? We do. We have. We just got, uh, we've got our Instagram that has one, at least one video. We have something on IGTV that just put some, like a, a new longer feature video thing on Instagram. Oh, crazy. And so, yeah, we got uh, a lyric video up there. We got a YouTube channel. Sweet. Um it's on Bandcamp. Uh, we are lightningwolf.bandcamp.com. Um, it's going to be on all the made like ba- basically every online distributor I've ever heard of, and lots that I haven't heard of. Okay, so you got so like Spotify and iTunes and all yeah, that, all the good. It'll it'll all be out there anywhere. If you have a music app, it'll probably end up on there. Is so. is it on there now, or is it is it? still working it may be by the time that this gets out yeah you're just waiting for the approval and all that yeah stuff. we this the process started on like wednesday and it's saturday as of today it does take a while because so, i did submit this to itunes and it, it takes a while for that to happen sometimes so you just gotta wait wait your, wait it out and let people uh because sometimes i think with that they gotta make sure you're not copywriting things and before they put it out there you know yeah so. and we had we recorded uh turbo lover so we had to get licensing for that and shit. Like we yep. had to get, you had to pay X amount up front. You have to give them money up front for like certain amount of streams and shit. I don't. We the the, the CDs thing. I'm I'm not sure about that. Uh, if we have to give them more money, if we have to get if we get more CDs made, I, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, the weird thing we weird thing that we never th- thought of when we were recording it was actually like yeah. how to legitimately. Because we thought about sneaking it in as a bonus track, but I was like, "Well, I don't want to fuck over Judas Priest, yeah, man. Like know, those kidding. are those are they're part of the reason why I fucking love the music that I do. I don't want to fucking 
get one up on yeah, and, Judas but, Priest of all fucking people. And that's like they the f- deserve, you know, even if it's the record company that even if they get just a little tiny piece of it, I just don't want to. Don't want is it as bad juju? Exactly. That's kind of like the whole point of like everything we're doing by like putting on shows like this and going to a show like you wouldn't want somebody just to like. I mean, I I get it that if you can stream all your guys' stuff, um, you can go ahead and stream it. But it's kind of like the whole like buying a T-shirt from the band thing. You gotta at least support the band that you're like going to go see. And if you guys are gonna play uh, Judas Priest song, it's kind of nice to be able to kick back some of it and be like, we did this officially. Like it's not. Yeah, we did. We went through the proper channels and gave paid our dues to the fucking. The fucking the metal gods. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I'll probably get in touch with you to make sure that I got all of your, your social media so I can plug it away on here. Yeah, because I'm not sure what all the addresses are off the top of my head. That's so. cool. I'll, I'll <laughs> so we'll have to include that. Yeah, I'll put them all in the description section uh, below if you guys want to look yeah. want to look at that. Um, what kind of stuff is on your YouTube channel so far? Right now, all we've got is a lyric video for the the title track free yep and a lyric video for the first track on the record lilith nice which is about uh a haunted muscle car that like somebody's like trying to steal it and they're like they're cruising down the highway all of a sudden the car starts driving itself oh man and it's like fuck you dude <laughs> so it uh so um you got those albums out. How many albums do you have out with Thor Hammer? I think I may have asked this. Thor, already. no, yeah, we haven't gotten into that one yet. Uh, Thor Hammer's just got the one. Right. We have uh, Indomitable, which came out uh, on the same day as like, the Lightning Wolf one just four years ago, back in 2014. That, that's wild. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't do it on purpose, but uh, it just kind of worked out that way because we didn't want to release the Lightning Wolf one without having the discs. That makes it, sense. You know, so it was like, well, okay, this Six weeks from when we got the disc ended up being the same damn date. Yeah. But, uh, Thor Hammer. Yeah, Thor Hammer, Indomitable. Uh, you, you guys have been around for a long time, though, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, we've been doing it. Uh, well, it's, it, it's been very, several variations over the years, but it's been a thing for like nine years now, roughly. Yeah. Uh, I want to say I saw you guys on the flyer for the original Thrash Mania. Does that sound f- familiar? Yeah, the the Thrashamania started as Thor Hammer and Plagued Insanity trading shows because my birthday is October 11th, and uh, one of the other Minneapolis bands we play with, King Goro, their dude's birthday is on the 10th, I think. Oh, sweet. Um, Happy so birthday we, to you guys. Woo-woo. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, whoop whoop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we met at a, a place in... Wisconsin called Wasco and we're like, hey, your our birthday is the same time. We should do a birthday show, okay? And then Sweet. we we ended we started like cutting promos on each other, talking shit, <laughs> and making all silly wrestling type videos, and it, it just kind of snowballed from there. Because we noticed when we did that, uh, the attendance was better. People yeah. thought it was like it, it's when you're promoting stuff and it's just like, look at my flyer. For my fucking another show, there's like a a a, a titty lady on it. Yeah, it's only gonna get so much exposure. Yeah, when you no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you, you 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 know that's how that's the nat- that's how wrestling got makes their money. You know, you got to talk people into the building. Exactly. You wouldn't think that that would apply to music, but it's with it does with the way that social media works and exists now, like. 
why not? Like, have something funny and entertaining to show people while you're trying to sell them your shit. That's like the 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 whole rest. Sorry, I don't know if you want to cut out my no, boop. No, it's totally cool. We're gonna we're gonna rock with it because I've I've put a bunch of those in there already, anyways. So, but it's I don't I totally get what you're saying. There's like uh, the showmanship does translate, even though it doesn't necessarily seem like it would. Because it's not like you guys are gonna actually gonna go out and like fist fight each other on the stage over the whole ordeal. <laughs> no. But if you guys give each other a bunch of crap the whole time, then everyone's like, "Who's this band that this band that I know is giving crap?" And then you get you double the exposure. So it's like you get all your fans to realize who Plagued Insanity is, and then vice versa. Yeah. And, and you end up with a, a really nice duality of fan bases, which is actually pretty sweet. So yeah, and it, it also like. It, it it's just another like layer of camaraderie between all like we're all, we all laugh and fucking just die laughing over all these videos we make. Yeah. The the Minneapolis crew, dude. Like there was like three band, three Minneapolis bands on a on a Thrashamania one year, and they were they were like turning on each other and ambushing each other in the parking lot and shit. <laughs> and, like, it was just it was just hilarious, entertaining shit that I I I wish more folks. Got into it. I think there's starting to be like wrestling themed. I'm not gonna say that they're copying us. But I don't think that we were probably the first ones ever to do like a to what we're doing. But I'm start. There's like I've seen Grindomania. There's Toastomania in Chicago. Yep. Uh, there's just becoming it's, more of a thing. Yeah. I think I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it is kind of weird that I I feel like there's a a like wrestling is probably about as big as it's ever ever been. I would definitely have to say pro wrestling, at least as big yeah, as yeah, or been they're since at least the doing 80s. a good job of convincing us that it is. Ex- exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. I I like to think that it is. Uh, so I like to, I think that there's like a big parallel between all the people that enjoy going to see live music and the people that enjoy going to see live pro wrestling. They just well, want to be entertained. Exactly, and I f- I feel like the entertainment value that you get at both of those is pretty high for the dollar spent because most of the time it's like ten dollars or less, and you hours of entertainment. I mean, yeah, twenty bucks maybe if you're front row. Yeah, exactly. So, um, let's dog ear pro wrestling for now, but let's uh, yeah. go back to Thorhammer. So yeah, so you've been around for like nine years. Yeah, you got one album. What's the lineup currently? Currently is myself on guitar and vocals, Ian Parks on guitar, uh, Tim as I mentioned before, and then we, you and I, share a drummer and Clint. Yep. yep. And then we have recently added a keyboard. Sl- uh, we it's she plays it on a keyboard, but we're using the pretty primarily organ. Organ sounds. So yeah, it's which, I you know it's weird to make the hard line distinction like not keyboards, dude, not like. Children of Bodom, yep. I think more Uriah Heap of like it's more in the rhythm. Nice. It's more in the rhythm section sometimes than, you know, playing glittery. Yeah, I mean that's cool stuff, but it's totally it's, yeah. It's not totally for us. We're flavor. still a guitar band primarily. Yep. yep. But we just added that extra layer. It's just so. Mm, it's you, awesome. I love it. Do you have anything recorded as a five piece? Your five. Piece we do now, not. Right? That just that just became a thing. Like. Two months ago. Oh, nice. Uh, Bewitcher came through, and we debuted 
our keyboard player Talia at that show that we played with them. That's awesome. I uh, and Clint was down there playing with you guys for that. Yeah. So he got to open up for Bewitcher like twice in the same year. Yeah, like weeks apart from each other, yeah. pretty much. Dude, uh, those guys put on a hell of a show. Yeah, there's so fucking gnarly and fast and evil. Yeah, exactly. It's that satanic speed metal. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Bewitcher for that. That's some that's some gnarly stuff. Um, so you guys got the the five piece rocking now. How many times have you done five piece shows? That just uh once so far. Just the one with Be- Bewitcher there. Yeah, because we, I my I borrowed a keyboard from my dad, uh. And I just, I just got, I had an idea for one song. We played it tonight, Her Ghost. I mm-hmm. had an idea because the the chorus goes, and then during that, I want on the keyboard, like a, yep. I call it um papas. Yep. But uh, actually, uh, I give guitar lessons, and that's what I I call those to people so they can figure them out easier it's like polka music stuff, but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah and so it started with that and then i kind of like okay maybe i could put that in other places in this song and then it just snowballed from there like oh man i kind of need a or i need i kind of need somebody to do this now yeah exactly because I, I know clint he's he's warmed up to like playing to clicks and stuff yep. but i know that he's mentioned that he's not super interested in playing to a click live mm-hmm. so i didn't want to pause it throwing it on the backing track because as you saw tonight with lightning wolf sometimes that shit fucks up it does yeah and it fucked up on us tonight but i was like okay well i'll see if i know anybody that wants to do it and i was afraid we weren't going to find somebody that wanted to do it cuz i i figured we would get somebody that, like super skilled they want to like write stuff and play play all the time and play fancy super like lead shit but i wanted somebody that was like i want you to kind of do what not like we're gonna tell you what to do but like i want you to do only specific stuff i totally get and, you um so i was really worried that they were not going to find somebody that was willing to stand there sometimes for half the song not doing anything but uh yeah, there like there's something to be said because there's uh I mean it's not that they're not writing any of the material and it's not that they're like cuz I I totally get like I came into Three Finger Betty um and most of our music was already written so I had to find um places where I could play things that wouldn't stand out so hard that it would be like a deviation from what originally was going on. And I f- I found myself like trying to add leads into things that didn't necessarily need them and it just Right. I mean we're primarily i guess you could call three finger betty a punk band so like you can't put too many leads in there and it just sounds kind of kind of weird sometimes so i get what you're saying like uh even joining unity most of the tracks were already tracked out and it's like here's what your track is supposed to sound like and it's like all right i'll, I'll play that you know because it's i i get what you're saying because even if it's there's something to be said about having a good rhythm section though too yeah you know yeah we just wanted to make sure that the person we got knew the nature of the position and i felt kind of like a a, like i was almost being overbearing with the qualifications that i wanted but i found somebody i was like yep that's perfect yeah there she's like i I, uh i don't write music i don't like no i'm like okay that's fine we could we could tell you what we want you to play perfect and she hadn't been in a like a rock and roll band of any sort I think she did like a jazz band in back in like school or something. She'd been yeah. playing keyboards for over twenty years, you know, like lifelong experience. Yep. And she 
And sometimes we we found the found a good fit. Sometimes I feel like that's also like if somebody doesn't write their own stuff and doesn't uh, have too much of their own like creative input into things. Sometimes I feel like being around other people and getting their um, their kind of creative input. And I want to say forced upon you, but their influences uh, coming at you, then you can kind of actually like reciprocate some of those. So you can kind of take on some of the stylings of someone else and be like, oh, I see where this person's coming from with this and like where their creativeness is coming from. So I can, you know, I've, I feel like uh, playing with Three Finger Betty kind of got me away from playing blues guitar, which is like all I ever did. So then it kind of like got me back into a different creative mold of like, oh, I can play something like this or I can play something like that. Now I'm playing with Unity and it's like, okay, so now I have a whole different uh it's almost like flavors of ice cream it's just like now i got a whole different flavor of something to try here and i, I gotta figure out how it's all works itself out it, it's there's definitely something that has to be said for um being able to i guess find your place in the band but also i feel like learning from people who may be better musicians than you is also something uh that shouldn't be taken for granted though either yeah absolutely not and um uh... That uh, is an excellent point because th- that's the kind of the nature of the relationship with everybody in the band. I that Ian does his part of fucking amazingly. He mm-hmm. comes. I write like pretty much all the rhythms and put the songs together. Yep. And I'm like, okay, Ian, like, what do you like? Maybe we do a harmony here. Try that. Ian takes his his vat. Ian went to music. So, you know, he studied music in school. Yeah. So he knows his shit, and he's like, okay, here's this. I'm like. Fuck yeah, dude, yeah, it that's it. perfect, yeah. And, you know, I'm not dictating the stuff to them. He knows his spot. He he If he re- if he had a song, yep. we'd play it. Yep. He, he's worked on some stuff, and I'm like, hey, man, you got that song? He's like, yep. oh, I'm still working on it. I'm like, okay, man. Yep. And so, like, nobody, it's weird. It's kind of weird. Nobody ever, like, fights me on it. They're like, they're really like, yeah, no, I don't like that. People go with my shit, and I let them, like, I let Tim come up with what he wants to do on bass. Clint, like, Clint is the or not Clint specifically, but the drums because I play drums. I I wrote a lot of the drum parts. Yep. And uh, but I get I still give him uh, he Clint's the man because he knows what I what I played, what the important part is, and where he can take liberties. Bingo. Because he is so he is so good. I wouldn't want to make him just play what I play. Exactly. Uh, he like I didn't have to tell like I didn't have to tell him where I wanted him to stick with what I had and where he just knew and I, I was like God damn dude you're so fucking good it's he, it's it's like he understands where you were going with I totally get it dude um, he just joined Unity and it's the same deal it's like um, we had to give him a couple of practices but a couple of practices in he he knew exactly which parts he needed to modify to make it just enough his own to make it his own, you know, add a fill here, add a fill there, uh, change a fill that was in there just based on, like, his own styling. And it doesn't even interrupt the music. It's so crazy how he can, like, come in and, and tweak things just the tiniest bit, but it still sounds so much n- newer and fresher without actually interrupting what originally was going on. Yeah, and there's a song that we played tonight, uh, The Comet and the Flood, that he he just did it he changed the drum beat a little bit and made it uh it was like a digga 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 dan it was kind of chopped up mm-hmm. and then on the second half he just did the double bass through it and i was like i'm gonna follow that yeah that so like awesome. i took his cue and changed my part and made my part more interesting so, like the motherfucker's good he knows yeah. his shit i like 
I was I was so stoked when he was down. I was like, Clint, would you want to fucking play this show? Like, because he did a show with us in St. Louis like a, a year over over a year ago now. Yeah, and uh, we were just want I wanted to try it out. I was like, I would after it went so well. I was like, you just want to be our drummer, and we'll, yeah. you know, I'll send you tracks. And he's all about it. He's so good. He's so yeah. fucking good. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, we did a podcast with him. He was the first guy I ever did a podcast with. Like I I grew up with him, and he was. Um, the second person I ever played uh, music with, uh, guitar and drums wise, I I had played with a guy named Jake Short for a while until he went to college, and then me and Clint started playing together. We were in a band uh, in high school, and then he took off and did the Dark Mirror thing. But yeah, I totally get it. Like even coming back ten years later, it was like we didn't skip a beat. We still had the ability to uh, play some of the same stuff, and he picks up on what other people's vibes are pretty easily as far as music wise and i feel like that's pretty sweet because even like we did a an open jam tonight uh and just kind of jam around and i it's there's something to be said for i mean he wasn't just going boom cha boom cha boom cha while everyone else was jamming around he was it feels like his drums are almost like a a friggin guitar you know (laughs) it's it's he's melodic on the fucking thing man exactly i uh I love having him around. Uh, let's sidetrack a little bit. We were talking about pro wrestling earlier. Hell yeah. And you've got some uh, Eddie Van Halen pants on right oh, now. Oh yeah, I'm still wearing them. Heck yeah. Uh, the guys in Lightning Wolf wanted me to mention those on the podcast. So, <laughs> so, so I had to get it in there. Good. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you're totally wrestle as well. Um, yeah. You're Kyle Hammer. Yes, sir. Is the wrestler name as well. Um, so you, you double dip on the persona of Kyle Hammer. You get to be a badass rock and roll guy by night and a wrestler by other night. Yeah. Uh, where do you, like, what gave you the idea to wrestle or whatever, man? How long have you been doing it? I've been doing matches for about a year and a a little over a year and a half now. Um, I've been around the business for about five years. Before I was ma- doing matches, I was managing. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the uninitiated, that if you've ever seen a wrestling match where there's like a guy in a corny suit outside the ring interfering on behalf of the bad guy, yeah, pulling the ref out, choking the guy on the ropes or whatever. I, that was that was that was me. That was my you know hassle the crowd and you know. Yeah, that's that's. Which, uh, that's that's awesome stuff. Uh, wrestling managers are probably some of the like the most unsung heroes in the wrestling world. Yeah, and I don't like to use them anymore, which is why I ended up, yeah, taking the jump to doing matches. But before all of that, I was a ring announcer at a company called St. Louis Anarchy for a couple of years. Oh, sweet! So, I always wanted to hit up one of their shows, and I never made it around there. Yeah, they're they're back in business now. Yep. Um, I- they so, just had a show last weekend, I think. Yeah, I, uh, I I used to be really really deep into the wrestling world. Like, uh, I mean, two three shows a weekend, I'd go everywhere. Uh, you, like you can talk with Clint about it if you want to uh, to confirm the story. But yeah, I spent used to spend so much time going to shows. If you like dig back through my old Twitter, you could find <laughs> pr- find some pretty fun tweets. Like I used to get retweets from. Uh, um, like Triple H and Vince McMahon every now and then because I would just like it's like I knew what to tweet to get their attention to retweet <laughs> it because it was just like when NXT used to only be on Hulu it's just like I'd say something like uh, getting us 
subscription to Hulu is worth it for NXT alone, and then you get like a retweet from both of them, and I didn't even tag them in it, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I don't know. I used to, I used to love the wrestling. They want to, they want to put that on their ticker. Yeah, it's got to be on there. Uh, so like you, uh, you actually went out, you pulled the trigger, you you started going to all these shows, and now you're actually going to be a wrestler, and and you wrestle. How many show? How many like matches have you think you had? I used to have a count. I think it's it's roughly forty between. I want to probably between thirty five and forty five. That's a lot. That's a lot eh. for an indie wrestler in a year and a half. Um, for like it's well, someone that does what you do because you like you're a musician too. So yeah, you can't, you can't spend every single weekend Th- going to shows and wrestling. Yeah, that's that's the. The yeah, but you know, yep, is a, it's like it's a decent amount for being a musician, but yep. compared to like a lot of the guys I know, they're out there three matches a weekend, every or weekend. more every weekend, three thousand miles a weekend. Yeah, especially down there in that St. Louis area, you got some some heavy hitters for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the hooligans that come, they've come up here Dude, several times. They're all over the place. I remember one weekend they uh, they had like a show in Canada and then America somewhere they like crossed the border there and then like later in the year they were in like they did like three shows in a weekend and it was like Florida, Texas and then Mexico somewhere it's they're always on the go. Yeah, I've got to travel with them a bunch of times. I traveled with them a lot last year and they're just they go everywhere. They are incredibly well trained, extremely talented, extremely like cool down to earth dudes. Oh yeah. But they're also you know, the, their outlaw wrestling thing, that is not a gimmick. That's they're, they're for real life outlaw, you know, a dying breed of dude Yeah, that they're just like one of a kind for real. And I, I fucking love those guys to death. So uh, you wrestle at St. Louis Anarchy? Is that- I have not wrestled at St. Louis Anarchy. So um, where do you do most of your wrestling at then? Most of what I've done has been uh, kind of traveling. I've done stuff in Tennessee nice uh down in georgia holy crap um indiana man you're Illinois. all over the place uh i don't have a missouri license yet okay um because you gotta have a license in missouri and kentucky and yep. other farther off places yep i've been to new jersey with the hooligans i rode with them to czw so like whoa they yeah that, which that was cool yeah it, that's sweet some of the most violent shit i've ever seen in my life yeah for those that don't know czw is uh it's combat zone wrestling is what that stands for pro wrestling but it's very um violent with the use of like weapons or uh glass yeah like barbed wire light tubes and um, i'm surprised they don't blow each other up with bombs and shit yeah uh, it's it's a definitely a art form it yeah how people make it out alive is is beyond me or how people can actually like it's crazy that CZW has people that have wrestled there for like a handful of years. It's like how can you even? Yeah, you watch it and you think that like he's dead. That guy's gonna die. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all seems so unsustainable, but people can sustain it, and it's mm-hmm. it's wild. And there's something to be said about it. It's it's wicked entertaining for what it is. Um, I mean, it's definitely not everybody's cup of tea as far as pro wrestling is. Like yeah. you're probably not gonna see too many uh, reverse hammer lock. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> Swiss handled family gridunzels or whatever in there, but there's <laughs> <laughs> a little that's a little Jericho for you. But uh, yeah, so you you do a lot of wrestling, you do a lot of traveling. It sounds like what's uh, yeah. Well, the, I did a lot a lot more traveling last year. This year's been a little less. I've been uh, 
been trying to focus on get life stuff together yeah and been trying to strike a balance because i've when i started wrestling i had a dog and i had roommates i could look after my dog while i was gone and i do not have that situation at the moment yep and i now i have two dogs mm-hmm. and you can't yep. you know they're at home right now uh we can't you can't do that all the time no. leave them like and my one dog is older and sick oh, and that's, that's unfortunate yeah she, she i think she's i think she's on the mend or mm-hmm. we're we're down the path of healing for her so yep. um i want to spend time with her and i plan on being involved in wrestling for a long time yep so if i have to do a little less while i still have her then I have to do a little less, and I've started, but I have started to wrestle lo- more locally. Uh, previously, last year, I did one show that was less than two hours from home. Oh wow! And jeez, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the the average was like you know to me going to like to Des Moines is nothing. Yeah, that's totally. the average of the like five six hours. Yep. to go anywhere. And I feel I feel the same way. I, you know, live two hours north of Des Moines, and oh, there's, shit. there's like nothing there. So, you know, I two hours south to Des Moines, or it's three hours north to Minneapolis, or it's four hours to Omaha, or you know, it, it, I always did it for shows for uh, pro wrestling, for concerts growing up, like through my uh, late teenage years and stuff. So it never seemed like that big of a deal to me. Yeah, you get used to it after a while, and if you ever can actually. Like, you, you probably have to drive all the time. But if you get to sleep, then it's like a time machine. Exactly. You're just like, oh, cool. I'm now I'm fucking in a different state. Oh, yeah, man. that's that's awesome. I would I would actually love to have that ability, but unfortunately, I travel alone so much that it just kind of sucks. But so, like, what's uh, some of your best memories, like uh, wrestling wise, so far? What have you uh, uh, like highlights? You mean? Yeah, like, like, what do you what do you got for uh, like? What are some of the coolest things you think you've done as a pro wrestler so far? Like, uh, been in any um, I don't know any matches with anybody crazy or not really. I've gotten to work the hooligans uh a few times. I've been in a couple main events with Whoa. them, which is beyond that- that's something that's normally beyond where somebody of my skill level would be. Yeah. So but they are sweet. so good that they can bring me up while I'm out there with them. Bingo. Yeah. And well, that's, uh that's something that has to be said for good pro wrestlers. They can make anybody look dynamite and yeah and like i i'm i've been told that i can i can listen well and they can they can if if you have that they can bring that out of you well, that's pretty cool and uh you know definitely the, the best probably the, the better things that i've done have been with them and they give me cool opportunities that outlaw uh i got to be in the a 30 pack battle royal or the pack or the the reward was a thirty pack of beer. I won. Uh, I won that. Oh, I think I've ever seen that online. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, and that was fun. I got. I don't drink, so I I let everyone else have all the beers, and it's even better. Like to not to break down any fourth walls or anything. Was, the guys in the back were like, they were asking me, "Is like, is it cool if I have some of these?" I was like, it, "Dude, it's it's a. It, I didn't really win those." Yeah. Like yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty hilarious <laughs> so like of course like please i want you all to have all these beers because i'm not gonna drink any of them yeah. <laughs> you actually did beat people up for those beers you deserve them <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah that that was one of one of the more uh proud moments that i've gotten i got to win a battle royal that's sweet um 
times there's got to be you know mostly was most of my highlights have been you know like I said doing stuff with the hooligans because it's, it's I they're one of the things that inspired me it's like seeing how good they are yeah it's like and to be a, standing across the ring from those dudes and taking their stuff and it's just it's just a top notch experience I fucking love it uh you've uh recently been on a bit of a fitness kick uh, yeah i i haven't known you uh personally uh, much longer than this conversation to be honest <laughs> we've been online friends for quite a while and i've i've been friendly with you at shows a couple times yeah. here and there but uh i i want to say you've like lost a bunch of weight and you got i mean you're obviously a little bit more musclier than you used to be yeah i lost i think net about 55 pounds before i started like bulking up bulking back up and doing you know weight programs where yep. you know the the initial drop was i think 55 pounds that's stellar man from uh one or two from 240 to uh 185 was when i the least that i was i think well congrats man that's thank uh, you that's always crazy to see somebody transform in front of your eyes um that's like one of the weird things technology has like allowed because i get to see pictures of you every now and then online and it's just like you talk very little um for the most part about uh going out and trying new fitness i, I don't know exactly what you're doing whether or not you're dieting and exercising because it's not you're not one of the people that pushes it on somebody every single day like this is my protein shake and i'm eating 12 <laughs> eggs today you know you don't yeah i did a little bit when when i was doing the program because doing stuff like when I was on a specific program, I'm not doing any specific programs right now. I'm kind of trying different stuff than what I was doing before. But what I was doing before did work, and doing stuff like that, uh, it kind of helps you get more into it. And you, you sh- I sh- you know, say share a picture of a huge container of eggs that I'm whipping up. Yep, and it's like people engage with you and react react to it and be like oh right on fuck yeah keep it up man yep and now that i'm not you know it they encourage that in the video trainer that i was taking i was like yeah keep it keep a journal i didn't do all that i just would share weekly weigh-ins and stuff like that for your own accountability on that yeah and uh so i was used uh, before before i kind of started doing my own thing i was doing uh, bodybuilding.com plans of like from this English trainer named Chris Gethin. Yep. I did a three month bulk program and gained like 12 pounds and then did a one month cut program and lost 10. And then since then I've been primarily just like, I ride my bike to and from work every day, which amounts to roughly two hours of, of cardio a day. That's awesome. So uh, it's like free cardio. Exactly. And it's, Better than at free. least, yeah, and at least an hour of that, I was already going to be in transit anyway. Yeah. So it it saves me a little bit of time, in the long run, because that's less time that I out you know that I have to dedicate to like okay I got to go, lock up my dogs for an hour and go ride my bike or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So which, I've I've been kind of slacking on my eating and stuff too, but they're like like I said, two hours of cardio. It's kind of like a cheat code almost. Yeah, like, a little bit. Like I'm still I'm still somehow cutting weight. I like drink monsters and fucking eat zebra cakes and shit in the morning. <laughs> like I'm, I'm break I'm kind of breaking all the rules, but I'm still getting some sort of result. 
and uh, I'm I do resistance bands primarily now instead of going to the gym because I accidentally let my membership expire. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, let me try something else because now that, like I said about the two dogs, man, I don't I want to spend more time with them. Exactly. So now that I got resistance bands, and you just do a fuckload of reps, mm-hmm. I probably a fuckload of reps more <laughs> steadily. I was doing reps with the microphone, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I get to pet my dog in between sets and shit, and yeah, that it, if if she's whining and crying, I can stop and you know lay down with her, play tug of war or whatever, get back to what I'm doing, and that that's been nice because I I I'm not so limited. If like if I like oh shit, I'm late to the gym. I can only I got a 15 minute workout. That usually doesn't happen because I'm at home. I have as much time as exactly. I exactly. You don't you don't even have to have the transit time in there. Yeah, exactly. So I've been. Recently, I started going just once a week to the gym. Like, I don't do a lot of social activity, so I was like, I'll go out on Friday night, go to the gym, yep, and get a good lift in, and that that makes up because like the the resistance bands are less intense. Uh, I'm probably not gonna put on 50 pounds using resistance bands yeah, and yeah, shit. That totally makes but sense. But that's not necessarily my goal at the moment either. I just want to look good for what my body size is because like with the job I do you know working outside and being on on foot so much and doing as much cardio as i do on the bike it's hard to gain weight so like i have to probably just try to cut you know cut up where i'm at now and just be as good looking as i as i could be for where i'm at now it's def it's definitely working i mean uh thank you yeah i don't know if you have like a before and after picture you've ever posted but i I, like i said i I, I'm not nosy enough to dig back through your old pictures <laughs> to look, but but it seems like you've you've lost a lot of weight and you're looking really good these days. So hell yeah, thank you. Yeah, man, bringing it up, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, go for it. Oh, I, was, I, I just think fitness is, is cool, and I think more people should at least try doing something. People, I, th- I think, think that it has to be uh, lifting huge weights yeah, and doing cross struggling. Fit. Yeah. Doing kip ups and shit. You don't have to do, you know, you can do as much as you want, as little as you want. I think everybody should be doing something because, yeah. uh, you even as little as hurt just, yourself if you don't, even as little as just going out and walking around just to maintain mobility. Cause like, I find myself like I, I'm in school all day. I'm in the car, uh, back and forth, either from school or like to Des Moines and stuff. And then you sit down and you do homework all night it's like, man, I didn't even, I logged a thousand steps today. That's nothing. That's like, yeah. I didn't even walk a quarter mile. You know, <laughs> like, you do that three or four days in a row, you're going to feel that. It, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm only 30. I don't know how old, 31. I don't know how old you I are. I just turned 29. So, so we're, we're pretty we're close. Close to the same age. And, like, it's kind of crazy to say that only being, like, about 30, you start to feel that stuff. So it's it's important to s- stay mobile and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, We're getting pretty close to an hour here, actually. I just want to say thanks again for uh, agreeing to do the podcast with me. Yeah, absolutely, uh, man. Getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, thanks again for coming to Des Moines, doing the show. Hell yeah. Um, I li- I love it in Des Moines. We always get treated so well. I've been playing Dark Mirror House for years. Yeah. Played the Muse a few times. Yep. I fucking love it up here. People are always so cool to us. Yeah, it's, it was a great turnout at uh, Thrash Mania 9 tonight. And, uh, I mean, it's... The show is over, but the party still rages on. So there, let me. I would like to talk about Thrashamania. Let's do for it. one minute here. Let's do it. What Thrashamania Nine is, and what Des Moines, how Des Moines plays into that. So tonight, Thrashamania Nine was somewhat of 
a worldwide event because we had Thrashmania nine in St. Louis tonight. Yep. We had Thrashmania nine in Des Moines tonight. Yep. We had Thrashmania nine in Minneapolis tonight. Yep. We had Thrashmania nine in Chicago, Chicago. Illinois tonight. Yep. We have a Thrashmania nine in fucking Tel Aviv, Israel. Really? Yeah. No way. They're they're legitimately on their. They started. They asked us like, "Hey, is it like th- these dudes that I know from Israel from from a fucking metal forum or something called Black Sockbox? They're super good and super cool, and they love pro wrestling, and they w- loved our promos. And they're like, is- can we can we do a Thrashmania? I was like, fuck, please do a Thrashmania. That's mind blowing. And that like I heard about the one. And just like what well, I guess how Facebook works, you don't always see everything from everyone. Yep. And then I got in contact with him again, and he told me they were last I talked to him, they were on their seventh Thrashmania, and like oh, no way, yeah, yeah. And that like that brought like a little tear to my eye, you know, like something that I, me and my buddies created, kind of just fucking around. Have, These dudes in Israel think it's so fucking cool that they want to do it. They want to do what you're doing. They're cutting promos on each. They're wearing lucha masks and shit, oh, and cutting promos sweet. on each other, and <laughs> fucking one dude's like doing deadlifts and shit. Like it's so <laughs> there's, it's just fucking phenomenal to me, and it's cool. It, this is the first time I think we've done a technical, like actual branded Thrashmania anywhere outside of St. Louis and outside of the guys doing it in Israel. So it's just is a I want to I've always been at odds with Justin Poole who is the other uh he's the one that primarily set all this shit up. I was kind of like, dude, that's that's silly. Yeah. That's you're you're going to have you're going to book five shows. We usually struggle to get like one one good one. Yep. But the dude made it happen and he he had the right people. I Justin Poole, I'm sorry if you if you hear this for some reason, which you won't. I'm sorry that I doubted you, and you're a madman, and uh, yeah, it's fucking nuts. Well, share the podcast and make him hear it. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, it was nuts. Yeah, if everything went off uh, without a hitch the same way it did here in Des Moines, uh, everybody in all of those towns had a great night. That's like yeah. gar- guaranteed. Uh, and cross-examination played in St. Louis, and that they're, uh, they've been, they're one of the only bands around that I know of that's been doing it longer than Thorhammer and still playing shows and shit not never broke up and stuff yeah. like that. So they and they totally kill it and they're they're very popular and that, so that show had to be nuts. I know Chicago had to be nuts. Fucking Minneapolis had to be nuts. It was nuts. Yeah. Nuts all over the place. Dude, yeah, there's some else. Oh, dude thank you like a million times over for doing this podcast it's uh it's awesome to be able to sit down with you almost shake your hand yeah, here real fuck quick yeah. uh i'm just gonna do a little recap you got uh lightning wolf which played tonight and you're also in Thorhammer, which we got a small taste of what Thorhammer is all about here tonight uh you're also a pro wrestler uh you wrestle around the country it sounds like i mean all over all over the midwest we'll say region yeah midwest for sure so uh Make sure you check out Kyle Hammer's stuff online. I will put links to everything uh, down low. Lightning Wolf, Thor Hammer, and his uh, pro wrestling stuff. So thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hell yeah. I had a blast. Thank you. Yep. There you have it, everybody. Episode 5 is in the bank. That was Kyle Hammer. He's actually from the St. Louis area. 
but he does do a lot of shows up in the uh, Des Moines and Iowa area. I mean, you got to travel around to get that exposure. So uh, it's nice to actually see him again. I don't. I only get to see him very rarely, and that was one of the first times I ever got to sit down and talk to him one on one. So it was good to get to know Kyle. Uh, make sure you check out all of his links to everything down below. I do want to mention that I have some upcoming shows. Uh, Three Finger Betty, we got shows Friday and Saturday. That is uh, Friday the 19th of October at Hole Avenue Tavern in Des Moines. Otherwise, we've got a show Saturday the 20th of this month. And that is at Empire Billiards in Lawrence, Kansas. Do I know anybody in Lawrence, Kansas? I don't know. We're going to find out. If not, I'm making new friends. So uh, come out to the show. Say hi. My next Unity show is Saturday the 27th of this month. We're playing at Rock and Skull in Peoria, Illinois. So make sure if you're in the Peoria area, you come check that one out as well. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is a real good podcast. It's, it's kind of a longer one, but... Uh, yeah, check it out. We got more coming up, so I uh, appreciate everybody listening. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week.